For over two decades, it has been the lone constant in WWE. The one true certainty at WrestleMania. The streak. The Phenom! The Prince of Darkness! It is a standard that has no equal. Undefeated at WrestleMania! 21 times the very best have tempted fate. 21 times they have failed. All victims of the ultimate seduction. To be the one to end it all. Legends, giants, champions, icons have all crashed upon the rocks of this irresistible temptation. Their mangled bodies piling up with each passing year. Is there no man who can defeat this collector of souls? Obviously, the answer is no. But what about a heartless, ruthless barbarian mastering in cruelty and fueled by rage? beast incarnate whose natural instinct is to inflict pain the affirmation he seeks is your contempt your disgust your disdain who lives by the mantra eat sleep conquer repeat no one will ever forget what he's about to do 21 and why? One. And then the smallest number becomes the biggest. He is the one. He is the one. Brock. Brock. Lesnar. Lesnar. One. All good things do indeed come to an end. It's kind of pathetic, really. The last rite of a celebrated career.
Welcome to the Lord and Wizard podcast. My name is Robert Fuller, and returning to the show is the host of the Weather Perspective and the Alfred Hitchcast, um, just Jason Mann. Jason, welcome back. Uh, thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. Yes, and um, we are talking about the final part of the Street Podcast, in which Undertaker faced Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania 30 last year. Why is it the final part? Well, we'll get to that. Um, so, Jason, um, in terms of uh, WWE in 2014, were you still watching at the time, or were you kind of like in and out? Uh, pretty much in and out at this point. Um, it's kind of been my, for the last maybe two or three years, I've sort of been, I've um, been watching most of the pay-per-views because of you know, the network, but um, other than that, really haven't been watching from... Um, from day to day. So, you know, familiar with what everything was going on, but maybe not paying attention to everything in close detail. Yeah, I'm, I'm in a weird place with my wrestling at the minute. I mean, I do watch the pay-per-views, but I'm in, like, no major hurry to watch them. So that's probably where I explain my, pod, my pay-per-view views are, like, two months behind at times. Uh, but I'm, I'm roughly the same. Um, pretty much the story of this match um, starts the day after Elimination Chamber. Um Brock Lesnar at this point has been kind of in and out of WWE as a part-time contract the last two years. And um, I don't know if you agree or not, but I always found a bit of a mixed bag because he, I think he had like six matches at this point, but he pretty much lost the Cena in the first one, which I still don't get why that happened. And then he had a feud um, with Triple H over three matches. Um, during that time, Brock, Le- um, Brock Lesnar managed to get Paul Heyman as his advocate which to me was a fucking godsend because I think it's safe to say Lesnar's not the best talker. Yeah, which is weird because he's such a good talker in UFC and kind of is very naturally charismatic, but he does do some really bad wrestling promos sometimes. It's sort of a strange... um, it's sort of a strange thing with him where sometimes he totally connects and gets it, but in the, the pro wrestling context, it doesn't always work so well. Yeah. Um, Lesnar beats uh, CM Punk at the previous SummerSlam and then gets uh, re-signed by Triple H at the end of uh, December uh, with the proviso that Lesnar gets a title shot. Uh, we get to the day after Lesnar's changer, he's not had his title shot yet. So obviously they're in the set, they're in the ring and bitching about it, and they're not happy that the authority has pretty much given as compensation has given them a contract. Uh, to say you can face anyone you want WrestleMania. Uh, but they're not happy to say, no, we want to face the champion. Um, at this point, the Undertaker uh, makes his return and um, pretty much implies that he wants ill you know, challenge Brock Lesnar and does that by stabbing um, Lesnar's hand with the pen and then chokes him through a table, which I thought was a very baby things thing to do. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, um, and then you get um, a few sections. We get um, well, I think one of my favorite parts is when um, um, Undertaker has a segment and Paul Heyman interrupts, and he's basically like he's complimenting like um, Undertaker, like going, you know, he compares him to like you know Hulk Hogan and Shawn Michaels and John Cena, say they've only done like like no more than four wins in a row, but you've done twenty one, and he's saying that you yeah, you want to keep it at. Now, 21, don't fade Boss Letner because he will come and actually beat you. 
which I thought was a very interesting promo to do. Yeah, and I like the kind of the comparison to history and to kind of give Undertaker's accomplishment like a like a bigger scale. I mean, like obviously it's just impressive the the number, but to sort of see how no one else has been able to um, you know, put more than four or whatever together in a row is just I think gives it even like a, you know, bigger stature. Yeah. Um and then Probably a bit weird here. He um, goes to main event, which is the C show practically. Um, Heyman does a promo then, and that gets interrupted by Triple H. Uh, sorry, Undertaker. Triple H one. Um, Undertaker is saying that you know, he will slay the beast and put his rotten corpse in the fiery death of hell, which well, that's a bit too far. Um, but he does say, look, I'll be in Brooklyn at the next war. And then um, it's a bit weird because they seem to be like, have, they have like a, one person will have a segment and then the other person will interrupt it. Um, and that will happen this one. Brock and Heyman have a, have a segment. Uh, Drew is del- deliver a coffin and Brock opens it and it's empty. Um, they're like, and then and Brock's like going on. This is, you know, he, he doesn't have time for this whole mind game stuff. So um, he goes to leave and then you realize the coffin isn't actually empty. Because um, Undertaker's in it and he starts attacking Lesnar. But Lesnar does get the um, upper hand, the final say uh, before the match, the week after, where um, Ian starts a promo by Undertaker and um, they end up with them both fighting it out. But Lesnar does hit the F5 at that point. Um, I don't know, at, at the time I thought the build up was okay, but I think if it wasn't for Paul Heyman, it probably wouldn't be as good. Yeah, I mean that's a good because Heyman's obviously really <laughs> was you know incredible throughout the uh, the whole thing, and Undertaker and Lesnar are not the best talkers on on their own, as we've said. Um, Undertaker is obviously great at portraying the character and you know doing some of the you know the supernatural stuff. I mean it's pretty much all stuff we've seen before. Um, you know they didn't really. Um, they didn't get too creative with it, which sometimes is good and sometimes is, is bad. I, I kind of remember people not really being super inspired by the buildup. I also think that everyone, nearly everyone assumed that Undertaker was winning. And yeah. um, and, and that may have influenced um, how everyone felt about the buildup. Like, it's just like, oh, OK, like Lesnar's going to go in here. They haven't done anything particularly um you know, all that compelling to make you think that Lesnar's going to win. Um so forth so yeah i don't think it was the worst build but you know it wasn't necessarily like i said there wasn't anything that interesting or that fresh other than you know some of the some of the Heyman talking points yeah um but one thing i liked is the uh the final promo video they had uh before the match itself yeah and um you get pretty much good first minute or so i was like talking about how you know how Break the streakers this narrator saying i think this goes well, well is everyone gonna beat it and it goes straight to Paul Heyman. Goes well, obviously, answers no, but he's pretty much saying Brock Lesnar is better than that. He is you know, above that, and he re- he will actually be the one to do it. And I I thought it's one of the best promo videos I've ever seen. Yeah, it, it, it's really good, and it, you know it, it's really interesting looking at the whole thing, the the video you know where they're um, you know focusing on Undertaker and showing him you know um, you're beating everybody during the streak, and then you have like the the, the numbers continue going forth, and then um, uh, leading to you know its big efforts. Like it can really now be 
completely retroactively read as like incredible hubris <laughs> on his yeah. part almost like it just it's almost like so so over the top it's almost like it reads as like you know um overconfidence in a way which i, I think is sort of interesting um now that we know the result yeah and he's kind of got a bit backed up even though lesnar did have a mixed bag pretty much ever since he Ever since, like, pretty much sometime last year, he's been, like, destroying people. He hasn't, he's not had that many matches, but he, like, he destroyed, they beat Punk. Uh, I remember he was in this segment with Heath Slater for some reason, and it ends with Slater tried to run and Lesnar killing him with a clothesline. Um, and then he beats uh, the big show at the Royal Rumble. Um, so, sure. you, know, he, I, I, you know, you can see that, you know, that confidence because he's, like, you know, he's, he, you know, he's beat all these these guys and uh, no not, not like no not be, it's not like beat John Cena or anything like that he'll, he'll do that eventually but obviously he's building up to it it's like, like next you know he beats him it's awesome that kind of thing mm. so we get to the match um, Brock Lesnar does his usual um, UFC type entrance um, we're going to take his entrance I don't know about you but I kind of have mixed feelings on it um, it looks good but I said I have mixed feelings um, it's Pretty much got twenty one coffins, and each one's got the pretty much the, the name of every opponent that he has beaten. And uh, what do you think about that entrance? I mean, it's cool, but it is like you know, again, it is just like such a like um, so cocky, you know, in a way, just so like um, it, it's just like so 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 coasting on the past you know just such a big endeavor like it just feels like um you know it, it feels like a rock and roll band that has uh like completely just like uh gone off the rails a little bit just you yeah. know just everything big everything let's see everything glamorous uh rather than like you know um uh putting on a good show kind of thing yeah i, I think my main machine has got i've got my feelings that um Seeing coffins uh, of these of these opponents and two of them actually dead, so I was like, Ooh, you know, kind of took a bit. Yeah, I mean, I I I didn't think of it at the time, but I did, yeah, I can see that. Sure. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So obviously, he does his usual entrance. Um. Now we get now the ma- the last straight away with the start exchanging punches, and uh, then Lesnar hits up. Brilliant. I loved it. It was an overhead belly to belly, which I don't think I've ever seen Undertaker take home like that before. Um, and then he closed down over the top rope, but uh, Taker just stands up. Um, is there a reason why Undertaker looks really wet? Uh, yeah, I assumed he was a little bit sunburned. <laughs> that yeah. was my that, that was what I was guessing because he looked kind of kind of red at the beginning uh, too. Um, and I, I kind of recall watching it last year, like, oh yeah, he looks he looks pretty sunburned. I I feel like that's happened at WrestleMania before. Yeah, I mean, I like maybe maybe one of the maybe one of the Triple H matches or something, or uh, I, I'm thinking the second one. He was also pretty sunburned there, but yeah. So he probably doesn't like being in Southern states. I don't know. Yeah, uh, well, you know, I'm sure he's tanning for the um, you know, for the match, and that occasionally can go overboard, especially with a guy with uh, you know, his uh, his pigmentation. Yes. Um. So he pretty much has uh, Lesnar in the corner, and then starts like. And then he grabs his shoulder and throws him shoulder first in the post. Um, he tries to old school, but it's stopped by Lesnar. And then, but he also uh, tries to um, he has taken in the corner, and then Lesnar tries to like you know do like run in shoulder first, misses and hits the post again. And then the action brief goes outside and gets his head bounced off the steps. And then take a 
uh, puts um, him onto the apron and does like the big boot followed by the lead drop, which is like one of my favorite Undertaker moves. Yeah, I liked. Um, I, I thought like some of the some of the boots and the kicks um, to Lesnar were really um, um, extra. It had some extra oomph into them, and that they were really yeah. um, like this. They did a nice job throughout the match, and in particular in this part of um, just you know giving a little bit extra in their in their strikes, and I thought that kind of added to um, you, you know a- added a little bit something to make it kind of give it like a more of a fight feel. Yeah, it, is it? Is it? Was it trying to you feel? Did you feel like it's more? It was more of a slower pace than what we're used to. Well, I mean, it, it kind of got that way later on. I mean, I, I don't think it really. I don't think it started off that way. I kind of think once Undertaker, um, you know, hurt himself, um, then you know, clearly. He, um, you know, was struggling to get up and gathering himself outside. I mean, you know, I mean, part of it, I think, is he, you know, I mean, I, I believe he, he, it was reported he got a, a concussion during the match. Yeah. And, um, you definitely appear to be struggling. And I think part of it was, you know, them also just telling the story of, um, Lesnar, you know, sending Undertaker, just, you know, just destroying Undertaker basically through most of the match, Undertaker doing his best to fight it off and then failing in the end. So, yeah. um, you know, where that, it, where that real versus story, you know, line exactly actually is, I, I obviously don't know, but, um, but I, so it got to a point where, yes, it did feel methodical. It did feel like a little bit, a, a little slower than I would have liked it to, but, um, but I, in the beginning, no, I think it, I think it has, uh, you know, a good, a good pace, a good snap, you know, uh, a good mix of action and, um, you know, and, and selling that action. Yeah. Um, so the action goes back inside and take it hits the stage side and then go for the choke, the choke slab. But um, let her get out of it, go for the F5, but uh, take my to wick out of it and then pushes Lesnar into the corner. And then, but he misses a big boot in the corner, so he has, you know, his leg like trapped over the, um, the turnbuckle. And that gives Lesnar the chance to slam his leg against the ring post. And then Nashley goes inside and then back inside, and then Lesnar is obviously, you know, doing what anyone would do really, like obviously starts to focus on that leg. Um, and Sid Boy is keeping the pace, you know, quite slow, but um, but I, I'm not really much of a UFC fan, but I see UFC fans can be a bit slow sometimes. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I mean, some of the submissions and stuff, I think, are, you know, certainly are, are playing off that. I mean, that's nothing new. Um, I, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I don't think this for for the most part, I don't think this is necessarily that much slower paced than um, any of the other big WrestleMania matches from um, Undertaker with, you know, with uh, Triple H, for instance, um, yeah. or, you know, even a lot of others matches. I mean, he just kind of is these part of his style is slow, methodical stalking. Um, you know, even the Cena match at SummerSlam, though, I know we're going to talk a little bit about after this. Um, you know, there, there is some somewhat of the same vibe as like, you know, these guys just sort of are, um, yeah, I guess part of the WWE style is, you know, taking your time between the things, especially as you're trying to later on the match, um, give the sense that you've expended a lot of effort and, and you probably have expended a lot of effort at that yeah. point. So, yeah. so I, I think it, I, I, 
I was kind of surprised at, and we'll talk about that, I think, a little bit at the end, but I was kind of surprised on the second viewing of this as I, it was more of a regular match sort of paced and, and, um, and the action than, um, than I had thought, than I noticed the first time. Yeah, I see, I kind of do that, but we'll talk about that at the end. Um, at this point, um, Lesnar's trying to like, keep Taker down with pushing kick and Taker rolls outside, you know, get a bit of fresh air, but Lesnar goes after him and kicks the leg. Uh, Taker does a bit of a brief comeback, and, um, but Lesnar does throw, you know, send him to the barrier. Um, Lesnar goes back inside, and then Lesnar hits a suplex and then uh, knees to the chest. And, and you know, Taker's like, starting to get up, but he's still like tapping everything and falls to the back, punching the midsection. Um, and then T- Lesnar does do an Irish rip, but Taker hits uh, one and DDT. Um, and then it gets in, Taker in the corner, then it hits a big boot to one and knee, and then it hits two avalanche dispatches, then a snake eyes, followed by a high boot. So you're getting to see, you know, once he get back into it, but to me, he still looked a bit out of it, and I think, I think just before that is when he got concussed. Um, I had assumed that it was earlier on a point where, um, like Lesnar catches him by the leg and then sort of slams him to the floor. That was the point in which I assumed he had been hurt because that's kind of where, um, he sort of is stunned for the most part. I mean, does, he does get a couple of things here and there and he does have that flurry, but, um, for the most part, he's that, that, that was where I guessed. I don't, obviously don't know, but that was sort yeah. of where I guess maybe, maybe it was a little bit later, but, um, you know, it's, it's interesting. I do notice it's sort of at this point, even actually after Undertaker gets some offenses where Lawler says there's sort of a sense of dread in the Superdome and in Cole and JBL agree with him. And this is kind of where Lesnar's in control for a while and the crowd sort of gets a, a little bit listless here and there. Although they ra- again, they rallied stronger than I remembered and were with it for the most part stronger than I um, remembered as well. But um, there's definitely um, it's sort of interesting where the announcers are. There's a, a point a little bit later where JBL even points out that Undertaker hasn't been on his feet for several minutes. And yeah, you know, I always think it's common for the WWE announcers to sort of overstate the jeopardy that the babyface is in. I mean, this is a long tradition of like a guy will get hit by three moves and, you know, and, and grill on is like, he, stop the match. You know, he, he can't continue, you know, or, and, or a Cole or whoever will do that. But this is actually a time in which it, it turns out they're not overstating it. It just seems like it based on the history of what we know about the undertaker and of most WWE, you know, matches. Yeah, I mean, um, just give it a concussion bit. I just, I didn't know whether anyone knows, but I see what you're on about when he slams Taylor to the floor outside. It, I think one thing to notice is that we knew he got a concussion, but there wasn't anything obvious that made you think, oh, right, that that must be it must be that point. Because you, you, like for example, the way I can remember most in terms of wrestling is uh, when Miz got a concussion um, at WrestleMania 27. Like he, right. he, you know, he could close that over to well, concrete. Um, and I know uh, I'm a big whoopee man. Uh, I play it myself, and but I know there's a big deal with concussions and all that stuff. So, um, but we had it in, there was a international match a few weeks ago, and uh, one of the players got concussed twice, but both times no one saw it until we saw like the replays. That oh no, that he no he banged heads with one another player. So there will be times where no people get concussed, but you don't you don't 
pinpoint the point where they got it. Sure. Um, so, um, so um, Undertaker does a leg drop for two, and then hits a choke slam for two, two but Lesnar straight away hits an F5 for two, his first one. And Heyman is right beside himself. He, he can't believe that Taker kicked out. I don't think he's seen many Undertaker matches then because you know, <laughs> that's why he, he's tried to overdo that. Like, yes, well, you know, um, he, he has confidence in this guy. What can you say? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, Taker is like seriously struggling to get up here, um, but has Letter tries to get him up. He applies Hell's Gate. Um, yeah, that so takes a while. Sort of, it's sort of like a little bit of an awkward. Like Lesnar's just kind of hanging over him, yeah. like. Obviously, just sort of waiting to get like locked into it, but it, you know, and eventually, sort of, he does. Yeah, um, but Lesnar um, obviously picks him up and then slams it to break the hold. And then I assume Lesnar must have the memory of a fucking goldfish because the same spot happens again. <laughs> and I think to myself, "You just you were in that you were in that two minutes ago. What are you doing?" Um, but Taker is it has on for a bit longer, but this time Lesnar does the same thing, but he lifts him up a bit higher. And then uh, slams him. Um, Lesnar then hits the Kamoa lock, um, which is a move that doesn't look they doesn't look like it's going to hurt. But I don't know. I've never been in the Kamoa lock, so I assume. But I know that's a very like UFC thing to do. Yeah, well. I mean, I don't know. With the way that the that arm is bent, I kind of do feel like that. I mean, it looked pretty good to me, you know. Yeah. Um, but taking man to reverse it into his own version of, of the Kamoa. Um, but Lesnar gets to the ropes. Um, Lesnar like, keeps taking him in the corner, but he gets a boot to the face. Um, and this is probably my favorite, well, my second favorite spot in the match. I'll get my favorite spot at the end. Um, Taylor goes for the old school, but Lesnar managed to get him off the rope onto his shoulders and hits a second F5, but only gets two. Yeah. Um, Lesnar then hits um, two German suplexes, but it. it it doesn't look, it didn't look quite bad because it don't know, it just seemed like Undertaker's strength just flops over. Yeah, it, it, it seems like Lesnar can barely get him up or Undertaker can barely get, you know, kind of go with the move. However, that I would imagine Undertaker being out of it is probably the reason for that. But yeah, I, th- I think it also with the German suplex because you know, Brock is a strong guy, but Taker is tall, so probably it's a bit harder to you know, lift him over your head. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, difficult for either guy, I'm sure, in that situation. Yeah, and then you get uh, pretty much Lesnar's in one corner and Undertaker's like, in the opposite one. And you've got um, Heyman just being brilliant here. He's like giving encouragement to him. He's like, you know, you've got a chance to make history here. He's there, you know, go for it. Um, he's, he's taking this away from you is yeah. the line I, I like there. Yeah, they're, they're, and it's, it's cool because like both of them are just like slumped in, in, in the opposite corners and you just kind of get like this. And, and, you know, they've, I mean, they've, it's been a good fight. I mean, they've, they've really exhausted themselves, um, so far. Like, um, you know, I, I was real invested in this, uh, um, the second time, you know, um, yeah. Watching it, you know, more closely this year as opposed to I, I think I watched it a couple of times last year. But anyway, the, but the point being that you know, with some distance from the match, I I was kind of more invested in how this was going, and I, I feel like I kind of got the finer points better, um, better this time. And I I I was with them, you know, I was definitely with them at this point where I feel like yeah. last year I probably wasn't. Yeah. So you mean that? Uh, did you watch this live, by the way? I did watch it live. Yes. Wow. Okay. I watched it about three or four days later. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, that's... Yeah, so I, I'll, I'll, I assume uh, you watched it knowing the results then. Uh, yeah, I'll pretty much uh, what happened was um, I 
I just checked WWE the day after, and the top news was uh, Undertaker losing. I'm like, wait, what? Yeah. Because so, um, I thought it'd be about, you know, obviously be Brian be champion and all that stuff, but you know, that, was, sure. that, that wasn't the story I got when I accessed the website. Um, Lesnar stops and uh, gets to stop taking the corner. That does the 10 punches. And um, I feel because I've seen everyone take a WrestleMania match. When that happens and Undertaker's got his arms down, probably stop punching. <laughs> because um, Undertaker obviously grabs him and hits a last ride, but it wasn't really a last ride. Um, I don't think Undertaker actually got him up to actually do it. It just seemed like more of a powerbomb than a last than a last ride. Yeah. Well, close enough. Yeah. Um, Undertaker then hits the tombstone, but it only gets two. And then you see Hamish's face, and does just look from like from shock to probably to realizing he's going, "Yeah, I think Brock's going to win this." Yeah, they're very much shocked and then pleased. Uh, that's a very, um, a very evil transition that he does. There is very yeah, nice, really good. Um, the both, and I liked also that you get a little facial expression of Undertaker, just of like disbelief, and you know, I oh, I'm doomed. Like yeah. <laughs> this is not yeah, going well for me. Yeah, I remember. Um, yeah, because he happens to look like, oh, no, what the fuck am I going to have to do here? And but I remember the commentator was saying that, I think he was saying to, I think it was the Undertaker early on in the match, I'm like, he's not really done that much, you know. <laughs> he's, you know, when he starts doing more moves, then he might be able to realise that. Um, but both on the mat, uh, Taker sits up, we see Heyman going, oh, shit. Um, and then goes for another tombstone. However, um, Lesnar managed to counter to it into a third F5 um, and it gets the win. And even, I don't know, when, even I knew there was, I knew what happened and didn't know how it happened. So even when Lesnar hit the third five, I was still thinking, yeah, I'll kick out. Were you thinking that as well or were you thought, like, that's it? No, I, yeah, I thought he was kicking out. I mean, I didn't, I, like everybody else, I expected the Undertaker to win. You know? So yeah, when he didn't, it, you know, um, I was, you know, just numb and and just thought like, wow, like this is incredible. And and I at the time thought like, oh, he hasn't done enough to really justify it. But yeah, uh, again, rewatching the match, I do feel like, okay, yeah, I, it, he has taken the amount of, of punishment that was appropriate for um for that to happen. I mean, three out of fives and. Yeah. You know, all these things. I mean, it was, you know, it was a good back and forth. I mean, well, I, I guess it wasn't really back and forth because Lesnar did dominate a lot of it. I mean, Undertaker had some sort of long submissions. He obviously gets a couple of his big moves, but I, I would say this is at least 70 percent Lesnar. It's not quite the squash, but it's definitely like Le- Lesnar is on top for a lot of it. Undertaker is definitely fighting him off from underneath yeah. for, you know, uh, most of the match. I mean, even a lot of the stuff that he gets, it's kind of lucky, you know. Um, yeah, I see you mean that. And when it gets to three, everyone's in shock. Like, yes. So, like, everyone's like, wait, what? And you see, um, you see, like, crowd, you can see crowd reactions. You get the one with the, you know, the black guy with the, the white t shirt. Yeah. I, like, wait a moment. You got Heyman in the corner in shock. Uh, and he's brilliant here. He is, he is fucking ecstatic. And, he is. Um, yeah. It's brilliant. Because I thought, because. He seems to give the reactions like, shit, you won. And even though he's up until that point, he's always been like, you know, it's going to win, it's going to go, it's going to win. Now it's actually happened. He can't believe it himself. 
Yeah, I, I mean, he's great. I mean, just you know, just getting in there, screaming. You did it at Lesnar. Just the just the glee and the just uh, and and Lesnar's facial expression of like, yeah. oh, I actually pulled it up. I actually got away with it. That you know, yeah. um, it, it, I mean, it's all great. And and the way they handle it, where um, silence from the announcers, yeah. they you know just, just pause to let the crowd just let the buzz in the crowd just sink in and it, yeah. it just everyone is just yeah it, it, it's i i can't think of another reaction um that i've ever seen that you know that that is is like this i mean you know yeah. I, I you've seen like a surprise from fans being surprised by a result certainly but nothing like on um on this scale i mean i think the closest thing that i can kind of recall and doesn't really even equate but was when steve austin lost the title for the first time to kane at king of the ring 98 i I think that was just out of bounds out of anyone's thinking because austin had only been champion for two months and at the time you know you know a guy losing that quickly after his first reign at, at austin's level was you know um, unheard of. So I, I, I think that there was, I mean, that was even, that was probably like 25% of this, maybe even less, but that's the only time I can immediately recall that where there's anything that was even, you know, in, in the, in the ballpark. And even that really probably wasn't, but this, yeah, it's just great. And then, I mean, there's like, you know, probably 30 seconds before, um, you know, Lesnar's announced the winner, and then there's more silence, and then you see they they flash to a 21 and one sign on the screen, yeah. and then finally Lesnar's music plays, and and then like the announcers express their disbelief. I mean, it just it, they handled that absolutely perfectly. Oh, but I think that's the only thing I didn't like about the whole thing was the 21 and one. I just felt that felt really weird. It's like, oh, you've lost. It's, I don't know. It's, I think you've. You know, like like I was rubbing it in almost. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. It's like surely if I get you win, you go yeah, twenty two and zero, yeah, 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 and all that shit. But um, I'm, I'm just twenty one and one. It just seems weird. Surely he's lost. He shouldn't have that. Saying you know, having that twenty one and one, I just find it really mind boggling that they thought they would they would do something like that. Uh, I, um, I didn't, I, I see what you mean. I didn't have a problem with it. I mean, I, I kind of think it just sort of punctuates the moment a little bit, just like another, like, um, sort of step in the escalation of feeling of, you know, you, you like sort of like the, the, um, uh, the, the stages of grief kind of thing, like 21 and one is like, you know, another stage of realization of what has just happened, you know, in, in, in that path from the announcement to the music playing and the, and the announcers talking. I, I, so I see it as a stage from that. I, I get that it is a little bit, it's not something they would normally do for yeah. anything other than that. But I, I guess in the situation, it's, I, I sort of see it as, as understandable, I guess, given what they're trying to do there. Yeah. Is, is it more like, a, is it more like a, like a visual clue? Like, yes, this actually has happened. Here's, here's the, um, right. the proof kind of thing. Right, it's just one more one more stage to kind of you know to, to 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 go through to to realize oh my god he fight, he actually did lose you know so um, yeah so and then you get um, they go off to booze and then you get Undertaker in the ring and a standing ovation for the crowd by the announcers um, you know the English announcers Spanish announcers and I think it was the French announcers I can't remember just some random third tables there yeah and you get to hear thank you chants as well. Um, so, so many questions about this 
uh, first of all, did you think it was the right decision? Uh, what, what, oh, sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. One quick thing. Do you, did you feel like that was like, I, I felt like that reaction was sort of underwhelming. I, and I and I just kind of get the feeling that people weren't ready to do it. People were just still kind of processing what they did. I mean, he gets applause, and I mean, yeah. it, it ends up sort of being a nice moment. They milk it for a while, and then the crowd kind of gets more into it as it goes on. Um, it was, I thought the announcer standing up and clapping for him was a nice touch. You see actually JBL almost like he's crying there. Um, yeah. and, and so, it, I mean, it, it ended up feeling pretty good, but I, I do feel like it almost... Like they were kind of, they're they're always kind of trying to create that um, the moment where Benoit got the standing ovation yeah. um, after the Royal Rumble 2003 match, and I mean it, this it ended up getting to a, a pretty good level, but I always kind of felt like this just like it, it wasn't quite as big as they were looking for. Yeah, I mean I see what you mean now, but but don't forget you you just done something that the. No, I think probably if anyone thought he was going to lose, they probably thought, yeah, they, weren't, they didn't really think it would happen. So you pretty, at this moment, you pretty much shocked a massive, you know, yeah. com, you know they've got oh, over 80,000 people watching and millions of people around the world watching this. Yeah. You just shocked practically a planet going it's this right i mean yeah it's understandable people would not be ready to do it i just i wonder if i'm crazy if if, if that perception of it is if you feel like that's reasonable or if i am um or, or do you feel like it was pretty good no matter what you know yeah i mean it's pretty good i mean i think it was a nice touch anyway i didn't I want to try oh yeah! Oh yeah! I mean, I'm glad. That. I'm glad they did it. I mean, it, yeah. It, yeah, it made it totally made sense for what they're doing. But it's not like I guess the other one that obviously um, it, the obvious one is like um, Randy Savage and Elizabeth. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, to me, it doesn't it doesn't touch that on an emotional level. Although the whole you know the 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 whole experience is is pretty is good. I mean, it, it's yeah. near there as far as just the shock of the loss and and that part. But as as far as like kind of the the way the crowd, you know rallies to cheer him it just doesn't quite i mean it, it's nice but it's just a little bit of a um you know uh, it, it was just a yeah I, I think i'm going on this a little too much so we should move no, on no, to no. the next That's thing fine. but you I get see, what I i'm see, saying i see you mean there with both of them yeah um so anyway just tell me about the treasures um at the time did you think it was the right decision or wind about that time yeah yeah i mean i um i thought it was a little weird um that that Lesnar was their choice given I always I thought always sort of well first of all like I've always felt that like the really the WrestleMania dream match that they had in their back pocket was Undertaker versus Cena and it yeah. would make sense for Undertaker to to be undefeated for that one so it sort of made me I was a little bit sad that that's obviously was not going to happen um at this point um yeah. and I always in theory, I always thought that, well, you know, if someone is going to beat him, it should probably be like an up and coming guy. And Lesnar's obviously older and already has his reputation and um, and is a part timer. So all those things kind of made it like sort of a weird choice to me. But um, I mean, you know, kind of given what they else they did um, with it, you know, I, I think it's fine. I mean, I, at the time, I, I you know, I was sort of. Yeah, I don't know if I was able to evaluate it quite at the time, but I, I got used to it and thought it was a pretty good idea um, fairly quickly after, I would say. Yeah, I mean, um, I mean, at the time, it was like, I wasn't quite good because I was still thinking that, you know, Brock would, like, you know, go and face someone else and do with them. And I don't know, just it's, 
I think you mean it's a, it's a great enough film, but I think if I think it would join more if Brock wasn't a part time wrestler. You know, he was re- he was wrestling more regularly than it, I, I thought it would be probably better if that happened. Um, I I don't know if you did you ever listen to the Stone Cold podcast with Vince McMahon? Uh, I actually did not. No. No. Um, there's been YouTube about about the moment that you know the um, streak ended. And Vince, and Vince, and Vince was like saying, no, it's my decision to that we lose, but he always saying that Undertaker was always going to, no, always believing in giving something back. And the point the public read that, no, Brock left. At the time of the roster, he the only person he could lose to in that roster was probably Brock Lesnar. And I know a lot of people wanted the Undertaker versus Cena match, but you know, I think it would have been great, but perhaps Cena's like, now it's one away from being equaling Ric Flair's World Championship reigns, so I don't really think he needs to like beat the streak. Yeah, I'm not sure I really wanted him to be the guy to beat it. Although I always kind of I, I saw it earlier in Cena's career as kind of like uh, a a scene like sort of like a Hogan Andre moment where yeah. obviously Hogan was already the man, but it just kind of added the it. it it bolstered the legend or it, it cemented the legend maybe. Yeah. Um, and I kind of saw it that way. And this probably would be more like 2009 ish, you know, when, when we seen, was obviously still the, the big star, but wasn't quite, you know, he hadn't had the, the feud with rock and, you know, and, and what, you know, he hadn't just, obviously that was six years ago. His state, he was still big, but it was sort of different um, longevity wise. But um, you know, that obviously for whatever reason, they had no interest in doing that. So um so I, yeah, I think it was, um, I, I think it was fine. You know, I mean, I, I think it worked out pretty well and, um, certainly bolstered Lesnar and, you know, what Lesnar kind of did after were after yeah. this, I think, um, you know, was fun. And I think Undertaker, um, added to that. So, yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, so obviously it's been like almost a year since then. Has your opinion about the match changed during that year? Yeah. You know, I, sort of thought that the, yeah, I thought the match was kind of underwhelming um, and, and just sort of maybe even a little bit listless. Um, and now I, you know, I, I like it quite a bit more. Um, I think maybe that as people sort of have some distance away from just the shock of it and, and rewatch it, I think it's, it has the potential to be a match that is looked at, a lot differently in, you know, in five or 10 years or so, um, then, you know, it's reputation now. I mean, I haven't really seen anybody write or talk about it much in the, you know, since it happened and whether anyone has, um, you know, is, is going to join with me on that, um, opinion. But yeah, I, I do think it, um, I mean, it's not necessarily, it's not one of the, the greatest matches of the streak, but I do feel like it belongs like in the upper half. And I think that it, you know, it's going to hold up pretty well um, in the future, I think. Yeah. At times I I mean, out out of the, no, the 22 matches, it's, it's try out, but to fail on this and fucking attrition matches early on. Um, So yeah, I'm with you. I'm thinking at the time, I didn't, I think turning the, Occasion of one second losing three, I thought the match didn't live up to that moment. But you know, I I watched it pretty much this morning, um, and you know, I can see probably more of it now. I can see, yeah, it's it's kind of drawing me. But I've had a couple 
of matches like that. I mean, the best example was uh, when he faced Triple H at WrestleMania 27, where I loved it at the time, and then seemed to hate it for a while. And then when I watched it last year uh, for the podcast, I started. To, I liked it again. So you know, with rest, you know, with matches, you you can always have that time where you might like it, or there you go, the great hit, hate it, or you know, you you hate it, then you go to actually like it when you look yeah. at it again, like a few months or years later. Yeah, and you know, notice different things every time, and and, and that kind of thing. So, yeah. so yeah, I I, I agree. Um, I, I definitely, um, you know, you're you're just in different you know you're just in different modes wrestling is a you know an art form that you know um benefits from um watching different times because there's obviously a lot of things to pay attention to and um sometimes you know the first time i'm watching a a match if i'm you know with friends or at an event you know we're kind of talking we're kind of you know um i'm focusing both on that of being part of the event and also watching what's going on so um so I'm glad I had the ability, the opportunity to watch it under these circumstances and kind of get a um, get a different sense of it. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, any other thoughts before we talk about the aftermath? Uh, no, I don't think so. All right. Um, so pretty much, um, pretty much, we go to the aftermath. The next day, you get um, a real great promo again with Paul Heyman. He's got Brock in the wing, and he's pretty much saying that you know uh, it's like the. Obviously, with, with the war after WrestleMania, you've got a lot of people who have actually been to WrestleMania. Um, so it's like a very like, different tribe to what WWE is used to for the other 51 weeks of the year. Um, but I love what Heyman does here. He's pretty much saying that now, you know, everyone, like all the superstars, the legends, and locker room all want to be because they could have done this, they could have done that, but Brock has actually done it. He's um, and he's now a head and shoulders above everyone. Yeah, that yeah, I I I don't really remember that promo that well, but um, but it would not surprise me if it were good, given uh, yeah. given the circumstances. Yeah, I, uh, I I watched that raw. I, I I do remember watching that raw afterward. Um, and um, yeah, yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, as well. We'll get to Undertaker in a minute. Has a Brock Lester. Um, he faces. Uh, he finally gets his title shot. Um, at SummerSlam, he faces John Cena. Um, oh, for, one question for I forgot for goes to the aftermath. Um, did you think this overshadowed Brian winning the title? Um, no. I I mean not in a. I mean it. It, it may have made you know. It was the bigger story, I think, coming out of WrestleMania. But I still think, like, people really... When Daniel Bryan came out, everyone was excited for him. Um, everyone was excited for him winning. Um, I, I think that it's... Um, no, I, I don't think it did. I, th- I think it was fine to do it. And I think, that Daniel, you know, everyone was into both things. And both things were able to coexist with each other just fine. Yeah. Do you think there's enough of a gap between the two things happening for the trial to recover? Um... Yeah, I mean, there wasn't that big of a gap, which is interesting. I mean, there was some, there was at least one or two matches. I mean, that those that can be helpful, but um, I mean, I think people just really, really into Diner Bryan, love him a lot, and so yeah. they were, you know, able to kind of get, you know, get past it and still, um, uh, you know, get what they cheer for the result they wanted and and, and got they got the result they wanted. Yeah, um, yeah. Sorry about that. I just I just remember about that question I was going on about. Yes. It. Um, pretty much with, with Diner Bryan, he. 
because he got injured, so he had to um, vacate the title, and John Cena wins yeah. that and money in the bank. And then Lesnar faces him at SummerSlam. We discovered that uh, John Cena has a bit of a hard on for German suplexes because he hits 16 <laughs> and completely destroys John Cena and wins the um, the championship. And then we get in a weird place, WWE, because of his part time wrestler. Um, he faces Cena again at Night of Champions. And uh, Cena looks like he's about to win it, but Seth Rollins, who um, had turned heel and won Money in the Bank briefcase, um, just for some inexplicable reason, um, interferes, Carlson Cena in the match, and tries to cash in, uh, but fails. Uh, right. So, um, so after Night of Champions, you don't see Brock Lesnar for a good three or four months because um, being a part time, he had that problem. So WWE did. It was a bit really interesting thing to do. They had um, a Hell in a Cell. They had uh, Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins end their feud. Hell in a Cell match, the Survivor Series. You had um, you know the Team Forty versus Team Cena match um, to, for the control. TLC, I can't really remember what the main event was. Oh, main event was um, Dean Ambrose against Bray Wyatt. So uh, it was good to see W kind of try a new thing because they didn't have a champion, but it still felt weird that the champion wasn't there. Like you know, defend this title. Yeah, uh, it is an interesting idea, and I don't know if it's quite worked, you know, as well as um, uh, they had kind of hoped. I mean, I, I kind of like the idea of just sort of a part-time champion is sort of like a, a special sort of um, special attraction kind of thing to make the you know feel like really important when the champion shows up. Um, but I don't necessarily think it's translated to like doing a whole lot, you know, it, it, I mean, it's just, it, it, it's it, maybe just not something that can work practically or be just the way they've booked uh, Brock and, and wrestling in general for a while. Um, but it just has, um, it does seem to have kind of underwhelmed and it hasn't really like um, Lesnar just hasn't felt quite as special as, Certainly he did after the Undertaker match and then after the, the Cena match. Maybe doing the follow-up with Cena really quickly may have kind of been the move that sort of um, made it not really work so well. Yeah. If he's a bit more of a gap, say, about another month or so before they, they had that match. Yeah, or Survivor Series or whatever, yeah. Yeah, I see what you mean there. Um, so this year, um, Bokhan is still the world, WWE World Heavy Champion, which makes sense. He's only been defended like three times. Um, but he's facing Roman Reigns, which I think is not probably the best decision. Yeah, people aren't excited about it, that's for sure. Um, and people are have been rejecting Roman Reigns pretty strongly. And, um, I mean, I think the crowd reaction will be really interesting. Um, I guess we probably can assume that Lesnar's going to get cheered um, during it. And um, apparently he's signed a, a long-term contract um, to stick around in wrestling for a while. I guess he'd been flirting with um, going back to UFC and what have you. So um, I get, you know, that kind of opens up a lot of options for them in the booking, whether they um, decide to keep it on the title on him for a while and uh, find another challenger to beat him or whether they, they, you know, I, I've even heard a double turn, maybe speculated um, kind of thing. So um, who knows? I mean, I, I don't necessarily have high expectations for the match, but um, but Brock has generally delivered pretty well since he's come back. So maybe something will um, maybe something will end up working. Yeah, so I think my my issue is that out of the 
out of the shields, he was the one I could see being least likely to be champion. And WWE seemed to be like balls and that on us. And I don't know, I think it would have been nicer if maybe like Brian or maybe Ziggler. Ziggler was like the one who pretty much won this, you know, the Survivor Series match by himself. It was like him against three others. Uh, so that would have been that classic, you know, David Goliath story. You've got this guy who's a fan favourite, but he's an underdog. Uh, facing pretty much this person who's like destroying people, he's destroyed Undertaker, destroys Cena and all that stuff. Yeah, um, I, um, I, I, I'm, I would be excited for them to do Brian versus Lesnar for sure. I mean, I think that there's just so much you could do with that, and yeah. um, um, so we'll, you know, we'll see if it happens. I guess it depends on what how they view Brian now and what you know his health and and that kind of thing whether that's in the cards but that just does seem like a very natural um thing to do i you know i i um ziggler might work as well i'm not i'm not quite as into ziggler but um but i'm you know i definitely could see it working pretty well yeah um as undertaker is facing bray wyatt this year um do you think he would have still faced bray wyatt if he beat less than last year um, I mean, he might, um, you know, given what they, um, I, I mean, they kind of been going back and forth on Bray as far as, um, whether how hard they've been emphasizing him, but, um, you know, I mean, he's the kind of guy, you know, you would theoretically think that, um, you know, pretty young, interesting character, um, would be the kind of guy who you might think, you know, would have been a candidate to beat the streak before, um, Lesnar did it. Um, so Oh, I, I mean, it, it's hard to, to say what they would do. Cause, yeah, I, I guess there are bigger matches they could have had for Undertaker. You know, they could have put him against, you know, quote unquote, a bigger star um, to try to do that. But I guess they, you know, I could see them also putting him against Bray just to, to you know, give um, uh, Bray, a, you know, a, a younger guy, a, you know, a high profile match. So um, it's it sort of thing where I could see them doing it, but I could also see them not doing it. Yeah. Do you think going to take it will end up being twenty-two and one? Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's a very good chance he is um, going to beat Bray. Uh, I, I would be very surprised um, if he lost, but, but I would be less surprised than I was last year. So yes. Um, okay, we'll just go to our one quiz question. Um, it was by Joe Drilling at Shake underscore Well. This is be host like a thousand podcasts. Um, he asked, "When was the best time to end the streak, if ever?" Um, I I mean, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I'm glad they ended. I mean, I, I wanted uh, the moment that we got um, when he lost and the crowd was, you know, shocked and, and forlorn and applauded him. I mean, I, I, I felt like that was something I really wanted as a wrestling fan to see that just because I, I, I imagined that moment in my head quite a bit. And I mean, it, it turned out remark, you know, it, it, it turned out on the upper level of my expectations of that moment. So, um, and where we get, I, I don't know. I mean, um, this is about the time I would say, I mean, um, toward the end of his, you know, ability to wrestle, uh, wrestle effectively. So, I mean, I, I think we're at, at about that time. Um, maybe they could have 
got gotten a little bit more out of it in terms of building up a new star but you know the way it turned out pretty well the way they did turn out pretty well too so i um so i i'd, I'd say we're pretty good yeah i think so i mean i, I think it i I would have loved it to like not end, no end up as you know, say like twenty five or whatever. I'm done kind of thing. But I know Undertaker's always been a guy who was, as I said earlier about what Vince was saying, he was always a guy who was to, like does respect the business and wants to like give something back. So I think he it probably would have ended. Um, I think now probably was the best time, or maybe when Randy Orton was kind of going through his legend kind of gimmick but that was that's at a time when the streak was being part of the story it became part of the story now so i'm not entirely sure that was a good time to do it either um yeah i mean i i agree um i mean you could see that have benefiting orton quite a bit during that time but um you know orton obviously turned out fine so um you didn't really need it either um uh, yeah, I, I think the way they did it was, uh, you know, uh, it, it was on the upper end of expectations as far as timing and opponent that um, we would have expected. Yeah. Um, do you have a favorite match of the streak? Um, you know, I really like the um, the WrestleMania 27 one against Triple H. That's probably um, that's probably my favorite one. My uh, my runner up is even though it's not necessarily it's not really a, a particularly great match, but uh, the uh, uh, the second match against Jake Roberts. Yeah, um, I really like. Um, just, I, I I just love that moment and and just the kind of the way he utterly destroys Jake and like you rarely see um a a match that's kind of like that one-sided against an opponent of that stature, I guess, you know, it, it was just done so well and so differently. And, um, and the way the DDT had been portrayed and the fact that he, you know, was able to, um, you know, uh, kick out of it easily and then just sort of like dominate him to, to win was, was really notable and really cool and really different for the time. Yeah. I mean, I, I I'm with you about that match. That's, that was actually my f- uh, first Undertaker match I've ever seen, and I like the I really like the stories they told, and it's always about it's like a case of Jake being overconfident because he hits he hits the DDT, he thinks he's gonna win, he hits it again, but he doesn't think well I've got to pin him this time. He goes after Paul Bearer, and that ends up being as I'm doing, and I really right. like the story they told in that match. As my favorite, I'm torn between the twenty seven one. Or maybe the twenty-eight one because in the twenty-eight one, I love the story they told in that. Is that um, to me is like because you know Shawn Michaels becomes like referee just inexplicably, but um, and I think he's just doing the kind of like be part of the story, you know, showing his ego, but he's not prepared for the level that Undertaker Triple H are willing to go to like beat each other, and um, yeah. And 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 like Shawn Michael realizes that, and just the emotion he portrays in the match, like that probably kind of just pip WrestleMania Twenty Seven, probably my favorite match on the street. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the um, I mean that one's cool. I think it's maybe just a little bit 
on this a little bit too much on the side of melodrama for me that um it, it kind of takes that line a little bit um i mean it, it is pretty amazing how great the quality of matches started getting in the streak you know around mid-2000s and and you know pretty much every year a- after yeah. that i mean he was in you know fantastic matches that was you know clearly not the case early on during the streak um for the yeah. most part so it's it, it's neat that it it really became that not just in terms of him continuing to get the wins, but him, you know, stealing the show, you know, nearly every year toward the end of his career, especially, you know, in his forties getting, you know, into 50. Um, that's, you know, quite an impressive accomplishment. Yeah. We think we, 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 with the stream, I mean, obviously it's all traffic. I thought the first relation, first relation was the worst really good one. And then he faced Flair, I thought it was good. Then obviously took a bit of a turn with the um, tag match. And then I think from pretty much one, Kane was a bit, a bit weird, a bit more of a squash match than anything. And then 21, when he started to get the really good matches, and then he started getting, like, pretty much getting the best match of the show for, like, year after year after year. Um, so, yeah, so, uh, Jason, where can we find you on the internet? Uh, well, I, um, my podcast, uh, WrestleSpective, is at voicesofwrestling.com. Uh, I also um, just recently started a uh, uh, the Alfred Hitchcast, which is a podcast looking at Alfred Hitchcock films, and it is at onthestick.com slash Alfred Hitchcast. And I also have a, if anyone listening is into uh, classic uh, NBA basketball, I do a, uh, a show about uh, basketball history um, called Over and Back, which you can find at thepodiumgame.com. And for me, um, for two websites, my main website is loadonwrestling.blogspot.com. That one's uh, talking about peer review, peer review more than anything, and if I ever get around to actually catching up on it, uh, start to buy a bit more opinion pieces. And the website is at loadonwrestling.wordpress.com. And pretty much the whole format of the podcast is like currently style, look at a significant event in my lifetime. Um, so, Jason, thank you so much for being on the show once again. Uh, thanks so much for having me. I really uh, I enjoyed this, and I uh, appreciate. It. I'm I'm glad I had the opportunity to talk about it. Thank you very much. And um, thank you, guys. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast over the last years. So, and um, catch you again soon. Bye bye.